Commission. Stacy, would you please call the roll? Sure. Commissioner Anderson? Here. Commissioner Griffin? Here. Commissioner Hallisey? Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. And Commissioner Mazzola? Here. Commissioner Buell has an excused absence. All right. Thank you. Today, the San Francisco Recreation and Park Commissioners present this Ramatush Ohlone land acknowledgement. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatash Ohlone peoples who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatush Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of the parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. Thank you, commissioners. Next, item two, continuation of remote meetings, and I send the back to Stacy. Oh, so sorry, announcements first. <laughs> announcements first. So again, good morning and welcome to the Recreation and Park Commission. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall, room 416, with options to join and provide public comment remotely as well. We ask that you please turn off electronic devices and take any secondary conversations outside in order for the meeting to proceed as efficiently as possible. We ask listeners to turn down your television and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues, which we already have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Unless otherwise announced by the president, each person will have two minutes for public comment on each item. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment are available both in person in City Hall, room 416, and via phone. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. For those of you who would like to join the meeting remotely, you can watch the meeting live on SFGov TV. You may also provide public comment via phone by calling 1-415-655-0001 using today's access code 2494. 1611478. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on, please dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dialed star three. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting, during which time the system will be silent. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays in speaking, discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Please address your comments to the commission during public comment on items. In order to allow equal time for all, neither the commission nor staff will provide any questions during public comment. The commission may ask questions of staff after public comment is closed. 
If there is an item of interest to you that is not on the agenda and is under the subject matter of the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, you may speak under general public comment, and that is item five, and then continued on item 13. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways, by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the banner. Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to SF Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanyon Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. The following are short announcements for those of you joining us in person today. If the fire alarms activate, you must evacuate the building in an orderly fashion using any exit. Please note that elevators will immediately return to the first floor and are not available for use. If you need assistance out of the building, please make your way to the closest area of refuge, which is directly across the hall in the men's restroom. Inside the restroom is a speaker box. Press it and City Hall security will answer. Let them know your location and they will assist you. Please note that this commission meeting is recorded and will be available for later viewing on sfgovtv.org. And now we are on item two, continuation of remote meetings. Commissioners, this is a discussion and possible action to adopt a resolution making findings pursuant to AB 361 to, <clears throat> excuse me, to allow for continued remote meetings due to the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, given that this is an action item, do I have a motion and a second? So moved. Second. All right, all those in favor state aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions? None. It passes. <laughs> We're on item three, President's Report. All right. Good morning, everybody. So glad to see everyone. I'd like to discuss that yesterday we had a grand celebration at India Basin Park. Um, I'm sure we'll hear more details from Phil in a few minutes. Um, but Commissioners uh, Louis and Hallisey, uh, Larry, did I spot you? No, okay, I wasn't. So, sorry. Yeah, we went out there. And uh, Jupiter Jones as well. Oh, and I'm sorry, and Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Annie. That's right. I thought there were more of us. Um, a glorious day celebrating a wonderful property, and I particularly enjoyed meeting the members of the community who have been advocating for this thing for probably over 20 years. Um, you know, the birth of a new park to me is just one of the most amazing things, particularly in this city, and none of it ever happens without neighborhood advocates who, you know, they're stal stalwarts and mainstays in this. Also had the pleasure of talking with the project manager and just to understand everyone's commitment to this is really inspiring. Is there anyone else that would like to add to the president's report? All right, that's it for me. Next, we have the general manager's report. Oh, sorry, Stacy. Where am I gone? Is there any public comment on the president's report? Seeing none, public comment is closed. We are now on item th four, general manager's report. Good morning, commissioners, and greetings from my new chair. <laughs> <laughs> A little yeah. twisted around. Um, uh, although, uh, Vice President Anderson did a, a great job of summarizing the, the feeling and certainly the, 
the roots of, of our efforts at India Basin. I'll add a little bit more, more context since it was such a, uh, a monumental uh, occasion and really one of the, uh, my notes here say, most anticipated event of the year. I think so. Um, uh, so this is uh, uh, 1.7 miles of continuous waterfront uh, that has long been neglected and long been dilapidated. Uh, the, um, the core of the site is about 10 acres that we're working on now, but there's a lot of adjacent parcels, so it creates a much larger network of over 60 acres of open space. But in terms of context, consider it the size of Chrissy Field. Um, so we, yesterday we um, celebrated both the completion of our remediation phase of work on 900 Innis and then groundbreaking for actual park construction for half of the space we're ultimately going to develop. Um, for the moment. Uh, the remediation phase was particularly meaningful because when we acquired 900 Innis, uh, it was uh, the home of an industrial uh, scow schooner boat repair facility. And it had traces of commonplace uh, industry in the sand and water. This is not to be compared with some of the uh, concerns about the shipyard, but more of an, it was an industrial site. And our promise to the community was long before uh, we knew whether we could raise the money and really pull off this park construction was to, if we were gonna acquire this land, we were gonna leave it, the land and the water, uh, cleaner than when we found it. And it does strike parallels to me for the land acknowledgements uh, that you all just just recited, we do have a responsibility to, to steward to steward the land. And for those of you who are out there, um, we haven't even started construction, and the place looks beautiful. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the funnier and comments that really resonated with me was, "Yeah, it's like, I mean, it was a beautiful sunny day. It uh, uh, looks like a sandy beach uh, over the basin." and uh, somebody commented, why don't we just put down some beach chairs, serve, serve some margaritas and call it call a day, day. <laughs> right? Um, but we're not going to do that. Instead, we are investing over $200 million in this space. Yeah. Uh, and because this community uh, uh, deserves a park every bit as spectacular as its uh, northern sister. And uh, we will not stop until we achieve that. Um, it will deliver miles of trails, restored shoreline, uh, a world of recreational opportunities, including waterfront recreation. Um, and the themes of the park include public access, social equity, resilience, restoration. Uh, this project fills in the last gap of the Bay Trail. Um, and its most unique element, which got some discussion yesterday, but I want to remind everyone, is that it's guided by an equitable development plan, which is a, an emerging best practice, as some people, I think, as uh, uh, California State Director Guillermo Rodriguez noted during his opening comments, other cities around the country are starting to look to us and our model here. And we did not invent this model. Our North Star has been the 11th Street Bridge Project over the Anacostia River in Washington, D.C. And some of the other lessons learned, frankly, going way back to the High Line, which the High Line everybody thinks is a world-class park, but it also destabilized an existing community um, as it came in. And our goal is to do quite the opposite. We want to really create a black-centered space at India Basin. Everyone will be welcome, but it is for the community that is there now. Um, and so we're just, we're just thrilled. And so I wanted to thank the commission for all your guidance and leadership up until this point. 
Uh, I really want to thank our, our partners. Uh, the A. Philip Randolph Institute has been amazing. Uh, the Trust for Public Land, the San Francisco Parks Alliance. Uh, there were lots of department heads there, which shows the excitement of the project and the fact that we have engaged departments to help us implement our equitable development plan. So this is a project that has got deep, uh, uh, that whose roots, which, whose roots or which roots are starting to grow deep uh, uh, in a, a lot of different directions. So we're really excited about it. And um, just one other footnote on top of that, last month, uh, I don't know if anybody, any of you were able to be there, but we had our uh, free India Basin Community Day and the event included kayaking, uh, we brought our rock wall out, kite flying, and a lot of activities over uh, around India Basin Shoreline Park, which is just to the north of the space that we were in yesterday. And, and, uh, and we are also completing a, uh, which has come before this commission, a basketball court restoration, which includes a, a community design mural, uh, which is sort of an interim improvement because we recognize that, you know, we've got a five-year journey. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we are trying to add programming and make physical, uh, smart physical improvements to the existing space, even though we're going to renovate it down the road so that the community can enjoy it because this whole, all the space is getting more and more attention. So we're thrilled and thank you. Um, I want to give you an update on uh, one of uh, this commission's favorite topics, which is uh, cars and the great highway. <laughs> Uh, back in July, uh, District 4 Supervisor Gordon Marr introduced city legislation to keep the Great Highway car-free. And I realize in my new seat that every now and then I have to turn around and say hi to you, Commissioner Missoula. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so Supervisor Marr introduced city legislation to keep the Great Highway car-free between Lincoln and Sloat on Friday afternoons, weekends, and holidays. This was a... a compromise driven by the mayor and I think supervisors Melgar, Chan, and Marr um, many months ago uh, in which the uh, traffic would be allowed during the week but starting Friday out, uh, Friday afternoon, weekends, and holidays it would, uh, there would not be traffic on the road. So the legislation um, authorizes a, a pilot study that would last through the end of 2025 uh, and so uh, Supervisor Marr, along with SFMTA and Rec and Park, are anticipating the legislation will go before the Board of Supervisors Land Use Committee in the coming weeks. The pilot study is important to be able to collect data, uh, to understand usage, alternative traffic options, gather more public feedback in order to fully examine how the upper grade highway between Lincoln and Sloat could work as a promenade. Uh, with the success of our promenade along JFK, we, are, we really are excited to see uh, Upper Great Highway walk down the same path. We recognize that the roads are different and that they're used a little differently, and so we're quite comfortable with this compromise approach. Um, more things blooming in Golden Gate Park. Uh, La Rose de Vent. And I do not speak French, so I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Uh, but uh, La Rose de Vent is uh, tonight. We have a dedication ceremony for La Rose de Vent, the magnificent gold compass sculpture uh, designed by uh, uh, Michel Thonial. Uh, that was uh, that sits outside the Conservatory of Flowers and was uh, donated to us. Uh, by local art gallery 836M uh, and the Lepinard family. 
Um, although the commission approved the work of arts permanent status back in 20, 2018, making it the first addition to the city's permanent art collection in decades. Uh, so this is actually significant, and you did approve it in 2018. The dedication ceremony uh, was uh, COVID interrupted, and uh, it's finally being held tonight uh, in Conservatory Valley to give us all a chance to celebrate and to thank uh, the artist and the donors. What time? Uh, it starts, I believe, uh, forgive me, it starts, uh, I have to be there at 5, so I'm guessing right around 5. Okay. Um, uh, the event tonight will include a dance performance around the sculpture, as well as a performance by the <laughs> French pop group Le Imperiatrice. Le Imperiatrice. I'm going to go take French lessons. It's okay. I'm, right hearing, I'm hearing it in French because I can't speak it either. The artist himself will be there. Uh, uh, Thonial, who I have had the pleasure of meeting, has a track record of creating simply spectacular works of art for public spaces uh, with his pieces displayed uh, at the uh, Metro uh, Palace Royale in Paris and in at Versailles. Uh, this, he is a serious, uh, world-renowned artist, and so we're very, very grateful to have his work in Golden Gate Park. Uh, anyway, I hope to see you all and see members of the public there this evening, and uh, look forward to seeing La Rose de Vent blooming in the heart of the promenade for years to come. Uh, so as we transition from summer to fall, we have many cultural events happening in our parks this month. It's a very, very, very busy time for us, so I thought I'd summarize a few of them. Uh, and the best part of it is, is uh, uh, almost all of these events are free for San Francisco residents. Just last Sunday, the opera, and I believe Commissioner Anderson, you were there, kicked off its 100th season with opera in the park. Uh, thousands of people showed up to Robin Williams Meadow for this free time-honored Bay Area tradition. Also this month saw free Shakespeare in the park, part of the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival's 40th anniversary, which occurred at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater in McLaren. Uh, this park is a perfect place to enjoy a timeless tale like Much Ado About Nothing, either from the amphitheater's bench seating or a blanket on the hillside. Then this Sunday, the 41st annual Comedy Day is taking place at Robin Williams Meadow. Featuring more than 50 comedians, organizers are expecting some 1,500 or so comedy lovers to show up, and it's free. On top and of please that, please go. I go every year, and it's so much fun. On top of that, <laughs> uh, Flower Piano, which kicked off last evening with a very special performance, I'll, I'll, I'll share a remark or two about. Flower Piano, a beloved annual event in its seventh season. Uh, kicks off for the public tomorrow through Tuesday at the Botanical Garden. Uh, we get to hear all kinds of music in the park, and uh, and that's gone on for you know maybe a hundred years. But there is nothing if you have not been to Flower Piano, there is nothing that captures one soul uh, like these twelve grand pianos hidden in nooks and crannies in the beautiful Botanical Garden. Uh, and you get to listen to a, uh, a combination of program performances, partnerships with the symphony, the jazz center, uh, San Francisco opera, a variety of community groups, but anyone, and something tells me, Commissioner Louie, you might be someone who would show up on a piano bench and just start 
banging keys. <laughs> I think you would. Um, uh, anyone can play in the garden, and it's spectacular. It is free for San Francisco residents. It is the perfect mix of nature and music. Uh, last night, uh, w uh, as a way of kicking off Flower Piano, the Garden uh, and Sunset Piano hosted uh, an amazing composition. Uh, all 12 of the pianos were put in the Great Meadow, and a very original score was written uh, called uh, uh, fall and Fly, uh, which is uh, sort of summons both the lows and highs of life and the lows and highs of San Francisco. And uh, again, original score, 12 pianos playing at once. Uh, it was combined with uh, a reading uh, by uh, uh, Gary Kumea, whose, whose remarks mm. were also about the height highs and lows of our city's cherished history. I remember getting it. And it was just a beautiful event. So I encourage yeah. everyone to show up over the weekend to see this very unique, uh, very, very, very unique uh, event. And then don't forget, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, another free music festival <clears throat> in Golden Gate Park. Uh, starts September 30th through October 2nd. Uh, this marks the first festival for HSB in three years since the pandemic. Uh, last concerts were actually virtual, so they did, uh, they did do performances, but this is the first uh, in-person concert uh, in three years, and we're so excited to have them back and so grateful to have them back. But that's not all. <laughs> Due South, another free concert series, is in McLaren Park, also at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater. Uh, this Sunday at the AMP, veteran indie folk singer Tao and rapper and spoken word artist Ruby Ibarra will take the stage for the second performance of the series, and there's another one coming in mid-October. And then we have the Mid-Autumn Festival, also happens this Saturday at Tenderloin Rec Center. The free event is a celebration of Southeast Asian art and culture and features live music, arts, crafts, foods, and a soccer tournament. With so much happening in our parks, we're very proud to be able to host all these free events, ensuring that excitement, uh, exciting entertainment and recreation is at the fingertips for all. Um, just a couple programming notes. Uh, registration is now open for the American Sign Language After School Program, which runs all school year long for grades K to five at Mission Playground. The pro program helps neighborhood kids, uh, it provides homework assistance, enriching activities, and healthy snacks, uh, and of course, yes, uh, in sign. So it is perfect uh, for those uh, who are hearing impaired, but also those for who, who are not. Um, uh, my own daughter uh, went to the summer camp version of this and learned sign, which she still uses to this day. Uh, and then starting on September 20th, a free five-week pilot program for teens and transition-aged adults with autism or other developmental disabilities at Eureka Valley Rec Center. The program focuses on helping participants with team building and social skills through activities, including field trips. Uh, and then access to adventure is happening this Saturday at the new Presidio Tunnel Tops Park. It is a partnership between the Presidio and Rec and Park uh, and our friends at Access to Adventure. It's a family fun day. Uh, uh, actually, the organization that helps us sponsor it is Support for Families and Children with Disabilities. So that organization, along with the Presidio and Rec and Park, the event will serve as a way to provide information about other inclusive recreational after-school and summer programs for families and kids. Uh, and then uh, 
Lastly, uh, you're going to hear a presentation in a short while about star power coming to Harding Park, but let me share a little bit about star power that was just recently at Harding Park. So uh, whether it's on the basketball court or the golf course, our very own Golden State Warriors star Steph Curry can score. Two weeks ago, uh, Curry's uh, Harding Park hosted Curry's inaugural underrated golf tour championship, which aims to highlight young, talented golfers between the ages of 12 uh, and 18. This year, 24 players made the championship, so this was going around all around the country and the championship was at Harding. But only two young winners scored the ultimate award, the Curry Cup. So we want to congratulate the winners, Ashley Shaw and Roman Solomon. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, uh, it's a pretty special thing. You may have read uh, uh, Steph's commitment uh, to, uh, to investing in creating more opportunities for minorities and people of color in the sport of golf. And this is part of that program and something we should all be very proud of. Um, and that, uh, commissioners, concludes the general manager's report. <coughs> Thank you, General Manager. Stacy. Is there any public comment on the General Manager's report? Seeing none in the room and seeing none online. Uh, oh, so sorry. We public have comment is closed. Speak okay. from Commissioner Hallisey now. Oh, Phil, a question on India Basin. It was a great event yesterday. And one of the things that really <laughs> warmed my heart was when you and others talked about this Swinerton company and, and the great work they're doing out there. Now, one of my favorite programs in this department is the Green Agers program and how students are being trained and educated on, mm -hmm. on gardening and, and this oasis of Golden Gate Park. And I'm wondering, I was hearing from Swinerton and it was either yourself or someone else said that they brought on board 15 young people to be on their crew during the course of this project, which out of all the great things yesterday, I picked that out as the greatest. And I'm just curious, is, is this something that they came up with? Did you come up with this? What, whoever came up with it, it was, it was brilliant. Well, thank you for the question. So this is, the community came up with this. So as we've, we've discussed, and I think as, You've all seen, uh, this is the India Basin Equitable Development Plan, and this was the creation of over uh, two years of community conversations with uh, the community members, community leaders who were honored as part of yesterday's ceremony and were given a plant, and they were the ones that broke ground. They have been guiding us and sharing with us, you know, sort of their hopes and aspirations to make sure that this project, every dollar of investment in the space benefits the existing community and and not you know not for who might come next mm -hmm. and you know that is the, the more french the raison d'etre of this project um and so there is a whole strategy here on workforce de youth development and workforce development from which uh the arrangement with swinerton grew we insisted on it as part of in our bid package um, and we have raised philanthropic dollars for workforce development training through a five-city grant um, uh, uh, by the JPB Foundation 
uh, which we've worked at very hard. APRI is involved. The Office of Economic and Workforce Development is hard. So all the people that will be, all the uh, local community members that will be hired will have gone through this workforce development training that the Building Trades is actually very involved in and very supportive of. And these, are, these will all be union jobs. Um, and it is terrific. But yep. there's also, beyond construction, uh, you know about our pre-apprentice and apprenticeship programs at Rec and Park with, with uh, the building trades in La Una. This is mostly a, a gardener program. But we are beginning a process of reserving spots for uh, Bayview community members to be in our pre-apprenticeship program. Uh, and uh, assuming uh, they thrive in that program, those individuals would be guaranteed spots in our apprenticeship program. And then uh, they would be invited to join Rec and Park and work at India Basin and other Bayview area parks. So there is a whole workforce development cycle that is part of this project. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Hallisey. Commissioner Louie? Oh, you recited so many wonderful variety of things that's going on in the park. Um, is there a place where the, the, the residents can find this all on one page? Why, thank you. Our website address is sfrecpark.org, sfrecpark.org. Do follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're not as funny as the state of New Jersey, but we're trying. And uh, we uh, try to do the best we can in promoting all of our activities and events. Oh, and also we have a weekly uh, e-news that currently goes to over, I think, nearly 100,000 San Franciscans. But you can sign up for that on our website as well. And we will deliver to you every Wednesday night? Uh, Wednesday? Every Wednesday. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Sarah Madeline will deliver to you every Wednesday uh, of, uh, an incredible menu of activities and programs in our parks. Thank you. Um, I would like to share a tip with respect to Flower Piano. A real jazz treat on Saturday, September 17th at 1 at the um, California Native Garden Stage is the Gail Dobson Quintet and Vocal Students. And the thing that's special about this is many jazz aficionados will know that Smith Dobson, who tragically died in a car accident a number of years ago and who was a jazz great in the Bay Area and Northern California, and an advisor to the Monterey Jazz Festival. His wife, Gail, and his children, especially Smith Dobson IV, I think, and the daughter, are all incredible musical greats. And they have become personal friends of me. They, they have performed at the cafe that I used to run. And I can tell you that if you have time, this one is a not-to-be-missed event. Thank you. Uh, and Commissioner Hallisey, one last little tidbit. Uh, you can also find out all kinds of information about India Basin, uh, not just on our website, but India, the India Basin Project has its own uh, website, ibwaterfrontparks.com, ibwaterfrontparks.com, and the Equitable Development Plan, uh, community opportunities, economic opportunities, uh, updates on construction and program, it's all there. Thank you, everyone. Right. We are now on item five, general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission <clears throat> on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. With respect to agenda items, you will have opportunity to address the commission when the item is reached in the meeting. 
And just a reminder, if you want to come up, you'll have two minutes to speak. Good morning. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Robin Levitt. Um, I'm a Hayes Valley resident. Um, I'm here. First, I want to thank you for all your work on behalf of San Francisco's magnificent park system. It's really appreciated. Um, I am a 30-year resident of Hayes Valley. Um, I live steps away from the Page Laguna Mini Park. Um, and um, I'm here today. I visit the park several times a day. Um, this little park is a very important community resource and serves as a focal point for my neighborhood. So I'm here today on behalf of my neighbors who are concerned about an effort spearheaded by a gentleman named Rudy De Prima uh, to rename the park at, in honor of his mother, Diane De Prima, who was a poet who lived in the neighborhood decades ago. Um, for, for many reasons, we are opposed to the renaming and feel if the park is to be renamed, it should be for someone who actually contributed to the community and contributed to the park. Therefore, should the issue come before you, we urge you to follow Rack and Park guidelines regarding the naming of parks. And that guideline is only to commemorate a person or persons who have made major overriding con contrib contributions to the park and whose distinguished, whose distinct, distinctions, excuse me, are as yet unrecognized. Therefore, if this issue should be come before you, we want to make sure that you consider this policy and also make sure that neighbors are engaged in any decision regarding the renaming of this, this park. That's all. Thank you very much for your consideration. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other public comments? Sorry. <laughs> I'm Susie Safi. I'm here just to bring up pickleball. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Can you speak name? into the mic, please? Oh, sorry, Thank you. I'm here just to bring up pickleball as a okay. subject. Um, all I have to say is, wow, um, you guys do a lot. It's impressive, community, 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 um, <clears throat> which is why I'm here. Um, so I'm just going to read this because I've really never done this before. So it's pretty overwhelming. Read fast. Um, yeah, yeah. one point so, three. Uh, so <laughs> I understand that there's a, there's less resistance to building permanent courts at Stern Grove, barring resi barring residents um, from the resistance from the community. I'm confused by this step um, since pickleball was played there before the flood anyway. So my main concern is the resistance of the Rec and Park to change a 30-year-old policy of letting private schools use the tennis courts in San Francisco free of charge five days a week when there's a larger community of diverse ages needing the same space. I could understand public schools needing the space if they don't have tennis courts on their campus, but there are three public schools using the courts and eight private schools that I know of using the best tennis courts in the city. Why do the private schools take precedence over a diverse age of tax-paying residents? 10 to 85 years old play pickleball. Why does the Rec and Park favor the private schools in this scenario? I asked to see the 30-year-old policy that was given as the reason, but to date they have not been able to produce the document. Don't you think that the need for more pickleball courts is a reason to revisit this very old policy that was written at a time when there were very few private schools in San Francisco? Private entity, whether nonprofit or not, cannot burden public spaces 
when another community needs that space. Presidio Wall is the most popular place to play aside from McLaren Park's permanent courts. The demand for private schools needing four courts at, at, at the least location, sorry, four courts at one location at minimum for their practice is unacceptable when there's another community needing that same space. The offer to use other playgrounds where there's only one tennis court does not work for pickleball drop-in place. So that's not an acceptable offer by the Rec and Park because it does not work. Excuse me one moment. Danger. I'm going to exercise my pre president's prerogative and sure. give you 30 more seconds. Can okay. you finish in 30 seconds, yep. please? Okay, yeah, go ahead. I suggest that the Rec and Park visit other cities to see what they're doing to accommodate the pickleball community so that San Francisco does not fall behind anymore. Um, I'd like to add that pickleball has grown exponentially over the last few years, and it's not going away because of the, of the strong community of players of diverse ages and backgrounds that has emerged around it. This is probably one of the only sports where an elementary school age kid can play on the same court as an 80-year-old retiree. This sport brings people together, and that's why the Rec and Park Department need to make a space to foster this growing community. That's it. Thank you very much. Appreciate your advocacy. Uh, any, yeah. Is there any other public comment here in the room? All right, I'd like to get and we don't, I'm just double checking to make sure we don't have. Oh yeah, online. good point. And then we'll go to Commissioner Louie. Just give me just a second. And there's no um, comment online, so public comment is closed. Okay. Commissioner Louie. Uh, Susie, thank you for uh, attending the meeting today and. Um, I just want to say I, I'm a pickleball lover yeah. too. I, I've been only seated here for a, a year, but I've attended three pickleball community meetings and I feel what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But I also, I, not to stand up for the department, but they do not take unfair favoritism. It's not they're favoring a private school or, I, it's very hard to find in the city a balance between tennis and pickleball. And so they are, I do see, I mean, I remain, I don't really say anything at the community meetings, but I listen to everyone just like when people come for public comment. And what I do see is that they're trying. The department is really, really trying. They're rebuilding, um, you know, Stern Grove, but it's, that's late. That's, that is accepted now. That's an option right now, but it was re so much resistance. Yeah, but we're going, like we're going, to, we're, we're really sorry. going. Commissioner Louie, yeah. it's not appropriate to have a back and forth. I'm so sorry. Okay. okay. No more public comment from Susie because she's already used her time. Okay. One more thing is yeah. um, the department is having a, um, a meeting in Stern Grove and the pickleball community with department heads are going to come together and we invite pickleballers to show up, tennis players, whatever. So that will be um, announced, and, and I'll certainly see you again there. Okay, so you're welcome. Thank you. All right, any other comment? I see none. We're on Let's item six, the consent calendar. This is an action item? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna check. Is there any public comment in the room on item six? And I don't believe we have anything online. So public comment is closed, so commissioners. All right, and are the commissioners con um, satisfied with moving ahead with all items included in the consent calendar for approval? So moved. Second. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Public comment. Do you have to do public comment? Yes. Are she you already asked for I'm public. Mm -hmm. 
Got it. I'm on it. <laughs> All those in favor? I mean, we said that. Any opposed? No opposition. Okay, it passes. We are on item seven, the general calendar, San Francisco Zoo. And I believe we have Tanya Peterson joining remotely. Yes, please. Are we ready with the audio? Tanya, can you speak? Let's hear you. Director Peterson, do we have a report? Do we know if anyone's trying to give a report? Okay, we can always Okay. We can always slot her in if she shows up later. Stacy, would you I help me with so. that? Yes. Okay, let's move on to the next item. Item 8, let's play SF update. Good morning, ladies. SFF TV, there's a display on the computer, I believe. There we go. Thank you. Great photo. <laughs> Good morning, commissioners and general manager. I'm getting a weird echo. Is that just me? I'm Lisa Branston, director of parks. You, 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 just you. I want my point to come across seven times. Okay, let me try again. Um, I'm Lisa Branson, Director of Partnerships at Reckon Park, and I'm here with Kara Rupert of our Capital Division, um, who's the lead on this initiative. Um, this item today is our recurring informational update on the Let's Play initiative. Um, and just before we dive in, a brief reminder, I think this is the maybe the 10th one we've given, but I'll give a very quick background, um, that this initiative comes from the 2012 Clean and Safe Neighborhood Parks Bond, which allocated $15.5 million to renovate playgrounds in San Francisco. A task force was then convened by this commission to select the sites, and the task force prioritized 13 playgrounds based on the presence of toxic wood and play equipment um, and sites in low-income neighborhoods dense with children. 13 play, um, the task force, uh, excuse me, 13 playgrounds was about twice the number of playgrounds that could be renovated with the $15.5 million from the bond. So the department partnered with the San Francisco Parks Alliance to raise private funds so that all 13 playgrounds could be renovated. And this um, update is really fun because it's so exciting to see so much physical progress on these projects. We've completed nine of the 13 sites and the remaining four all have approved concept plans and this commission has awarded the construction contract for HERS playground where construction should be underway in coming weeks. Also exciting is that we are resuming the usage measurement of these sites that was paused during COVID. And I'll get to that a little later in this presentation, that the measurements continue to show dramatic increases in usage and physical activity at these sites. Um, and last, the initiative um, and the last initiative highlight is simply to note that with the completion of outreach on the final site, we've completed the deeply important community engagement work on this initiative, and Carol will talk a little bit more about the numbers there, which are really wonderful. Um, 
So the heart of this campaign remains balanced on the three pillars of community, creativity, and wellness. Um, research shows that beautiful public spaces designed with stakeholder engagement inspire community. Play helps nurture growing brains, and getting kids outside and moving leads to physical well-being. And as I mentioned before, we are tracking this sort of usage. And um, I wanted to share the data measurement on the two uh, playgrounds where we have complete uh, data sets. So it's really fulfilling to see data showing that the initiative is hitting its goals of attracting community to these sites and getting out children outside to play in ways that we know, as I mentioned, nurtures growing bodies and brains. So since the start, um, of the initiative, we've been using an academic tool called SOPARC, or System for Observing Play and Recreation in Communities, to measure pre- and post-renovation use of these sites. It also tracks how they're used, whether the usage is sedentary, moderate, or vigorous. Um, and it tracks that among different age groups. Um, it's, of course, intuitive that if you create an amazing piece of public infrastructure, people will show up and use it. But it's wonderful to see that theory upheld by the data. We're seeing dramatic usage increases, which we take as a sign that these sites are making a contribution to the neighborhood's sense of community and physical and mental wellness. So for just a couple of specifics, this is the one piece of data for Sergeant John McCauley Playground in the Tenderloin, which was modestly was a modestly used site that saw usage soared 16-fold um, on weekdays and triple, uh, sorry, on weekends and triple on weekdays. Um, we also track activity as the sites and found that overall vigorous play at the playgrounds nearly doubled. Interestingly, sedentary use of the playground also jumped, which may be a reflection of some of the natural elements and seating, but we don't know for sure why. Um, but they, those elements were really important to the community as part of the site. Um, and we did see a drop in usage by seniors. We're not 100% sure why this happened, but I'll note that the starting numbers for usage by seniors was very, very low, like in the tens of people. So it could be just a data anomaly. And then the other data set that I wanted to share was about West Portal Playground, which was a very active site before renovation that saw overall usage double on weekends and weekdays. Um, and the increases were true across age groups. At West Portal, there were especially dramatic increases in vigorous activity by children, which was up um, nearly six times across weekdays and weekends. So the data has been very rewarding to see. And with that, I'm going to turn the rest of the presentation over to Kara. But um, at the end of my piece, I just wanted to very much thank the San Francisco Parks Alliance, which has partnered with us on this initiative. Great. Thanks, Lisa. Um, good morning, commissioners. Um, I'm Kara Rupert from the Capital and Planning Division. Like Lisa said, I'm the program lead for the Let's Play initiative from the project delivery standpoint. Thank you. Okay, so I just want to start today by sharing the 13 playgrounds that are part of this initiative. Here is our cute map, and where you see a check mark are the projects that have been completed and reopened to the public. Um, 
We have only four more playgrounds to go, and since our last update in March, we've made a lot of progress on those four remaining sites, and I'll share those highlights through the presentation. First, I'd like to start with the ones that we have completed. Just as a reminder, just one image per site. We have Panhandle Playground on the top, Merced Heights, and Washington Square on the bottom. Alice Chalmers West Portal and the Redwood Grove in McLaren Park. And last year, we reopened Jerry Commons in Golden Gate Heights Playgrounds and Sergeant John McCauley on the bottom there. So the next two sites that are slated to begin construction are HERS and Richmond Playgrounds. Commission approved a construction contract for HERS Playground just last month, and we expect to start construction as soon as next month. Richmond Playground is completing the bid documents now and expects to advertise the construction contract this fall. The Stern Grove Playground, which are the images on the right, is right behind Richmond Playground, expecting to finish bid documents this fall and advertise that project for its construction contract soon after. And between Stern Grove, Richmond, and HERS, we are hoping to complete construction for three more of our playgrounds within 2023 or early 2024. And on the left is Buchanan Street Mall, which has also completed a thorough set of construction documents. As we've reported previously, the Buchanan Mall project and the property has seen a significant increase in investment and scope over the past few years. And the department has decided to take a short pause on the playground documentation to allow all the other pieces of that project to catch up. Um, so we can renovate all five blocks at once. This increase in investment has been a great boon to our Let's Play project. It's now a small piece of a much larger project. But it also means that our team has been able to integrate the playground project and that scope in more thoroughly into the renovation of the whole block that it sits in. And for this site, we are going to be delivering Reckon Park's first intergenerational playground. This is going to be a very active zone on the block. Um, that focuses on fitness and play for all ages, not just children. It'll be a mix of children's playground, senior fitness, and, as, and adult zones. And together, these program elements are meant to increase social interaction between age groups and foster deeper community relationships across the neighborhood. In regards to community engagement, it has always been a a big goal of this initiative to provide um, and, and create deep community relationships through our robust community engagement. Um, we have tracked all of the outreach touch points we've had with the communities during the development of the concept plans and are happy to report on the final numbers. We've, for the 13 playgrounds, over 5,000 voices contributed to building those concept plans. We had 161 community events with an average of, of over 12 outreach events per playground site. And nearly 3,000 responses were received to online surveys. We are continuing to engage with communities on the remaining sites, of course, in more of an informational way, informing them of upcoming milestones on the projects. Um, on the initiative schedule, I know I've talked generally about some of the remaining site schedules, um, but here they are all together in that tiny little <laughs> graph. <laughs> um, the vertical 
red line closer to the right hand side of your screen represents where we are today in this initiative. And as you can see, we're getting very close to the end. We still have over a year left, but we have a lot behind us to be proud of. We do expect to be before you um, many times as our, finished, as our projects are continuing. And finally, on the financial side, this is the exact same budget we presented to you in March of this year, with only four projects remaining, all of which have well-developed um, designs and cost estimates at this point. We feel very confident on where we are financially and that we have sufficient public and private funds to complete all 13 playgrounds. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Lisa and I are here for any questions we can answer for you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Nothing in the room. Is there, SFGov TV, if you can hear me, is there anyone on the line with a raised hand? Seeing no public comment, this item is closed. All right, I have discussion. a question from Commissioner Griffin, please. Thank you so much for the presentation. It was very enlightening and, and congratulations on your work and how far you've come along. I just had a couple of questions about Buchanan Mall. You said that several of the projects are having to stop and slow down, waiting for other parts of the project to catch up? We're really integrated into one cohesive project now. There's funding for renovation of all five blocks, and so the most efficient way to do that is to have one project for all five blocks. And so we've taken the playground, it's only the playground as I understand, and paused that specific portion to allow the rest of it to catch up. And you expect that to happen when? It's, it's already happening. And okay. the project should finish construction documents mid-2023 and start construction early 2024. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Commissioner, um, I think you uh, you were with me at one of the events recently, I believe, was it with Senator Weiner? I think you had just become commissioner. So we, we've been successfully pursuing um, funding for all five blocks of renovation. And one of the sources of that five block project is Let's Play SF, but that's just for a piece, not even an entire block, but a piece of one of the blocks. Mm -hmm. So the idea, really is to sort of integrate it into you know one cohesive design and and we just recently got an orlp uh grant from the federal government through the state of california so we've been making some 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 good success here um so we're we're quite optimistic about it good thank you thank you next commissioner louis good job 13 down four to go Oh, I say. Nine days. Beautiful. Four to go. Nine. 13 total. <clears throat> Lucky 13. Oh, thir yeah. total. Math. 13 minus. Four. We didn't hire you for your math skills. Nine. Nine down. <laughs> four to go. <laughs> <laughs> Equals 13. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Oh, yes. Uh, we are also very proud. I think um, I've been a part of the commission this whole time that those have been in planning, right? So, and I've been to many of these playgrounds and I always get such a kick out of just the pure joy, especially from the kids, trying the new equipment, going down a slide, and I have to tell you, I've seen a number of adults play on the equipment too, which is really fun. 
Uh, I don't think we have any other comments. So thank you. That was discussion only. Next item. Yeah, okay. Tanya, if you can hear us, we are waiting for you. <laughs> Just, I okay. Think we'll keep, we'll keep for you, Tanya. Yeah. We're, we're not going to leave you. We're going to go ahead and move on to item number nine: Golden Gate Park Japanese Tea Garden Landscape Renovation Conceptual Plan and uh, Sole Source Contract. All right. Need some tech help here on the screen. There we go. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> Talk and drive. <laughs> Good morning, commissioners. I'm Gabriel Meal. I'm a project manager in the operations division, and they don't let me out in public very often. <laughs> so well, nice. they should, because you have a cool tie and cool shoes, so Thank hey. So it's nice to <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about the Pagoda landscape renovation at the Japanese Tea Garden. The Tea Garden is the oldest public Japanese garden in the United States. The garden provides visitors with an opportunity to experience the natural beauty, tranquility, and harmony of a Japanese-style garden in the heart of San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. This, this slide shows the existing pagoda site. Um, it's not a humongous area, not quite as big as India Basin, but it is an important focal point in the garden. The pagoda is on the right. It's covered in the white shrink wrap right now under renovation. That The temple gate is in the background and you can partially see on the left the the lanterns, um, which are all, all three of those structures are important historical um, elements in the garden. Next slide. So just a bit of project background. In 2018, the Friends of the Japanese Tea Garden, in partnership with the department, launched the Japanese Tea Garden revitalization campaign. Uh, we decided to start the campaign with the pagoda and its immediate surroundings as it was in desperate need of repair due to age and a wood-boring beetle infestation, mm. which has been going on for quite a while. The actual pagoda restoration began in spring 2020 with the RPD Union Carpentry Shop taking the lead on the project. We will finish this phase of the restoration at the end of this month. The um, scaffolding is actually gonna start coming down next week. Also in 2020, the Friends of the Japanese Tea Garden issued an RFP for the design of the landscaped area around the pagoda as part of the overall restoration vision. The firm Karisu LLC was selected to complete the design. We now have a final concept design, a CEQA exemption, and are ready to move forward on the construction part of the project. Next 
So just going back to the restoration, I just wanted to show you the, the hard work of the carpenters. Um, these are just some in-progress slides of the, of the structure restoration of the pagoda. The, on the left, you can see that's the original condition of the roof on the top level. And um, these, are, these images just show different stages of, of, of development of the project. And, and again, we'll be done next week. So getting back to the landscape, this is the overall site of the tea garden. The, um, the rectangle shows the limit of work of the landscape project. The pagoda, I don't, can I point? The pagoda is this square in the center. This is the temple gate over here, and these are the lanterns. There's a, an ex, this, there's a steep stair at the front face of the pagoda that goes down to the to the lake area. Um, Could you speak into the microphone? Oh, sorry. Yeah. But there's um, a number of paths that lead to the site throughout the network of paths in the garden. So this is the concept plan. The proposed plan opens the area around the pagoda to make it feel more cohesive with the rest of the garden. It creates a gathering space for cultural events such as taiko, bonsai demonstrations, and tea ceremonies. The design respects the history of the garden and reconciles significant historic elements. The pagoda is at the center framed by sculptural boulders. We are expanding the moss garden at the back of the pagoda and relocating the stepping stone path through the moss. The, the stepping stones um, were originally in front of the pagoda and we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna be reusing almost all of the elements of the existing site into the, into the installation, the, the, the new garden. Um, the lanterns will remain in the same spot, but be modified to have smaller bases as the current bases are too large and out of scale with the space. Both the pagoda and the lantern bases will be clad in stone. The existing fence line will be represented in the ground plane by inset Japanese roof tiles as a, as a nod to the history of the site um, and, and its, its former configuration. So this is a bird's eye view of the uh, representation of, of the garden from the front. <coughs> Sorry, skipped. So throughout the design process, we have worked closely with local community groups and have hosted two community meetings in the garden to discuss the plan. This is a list of supporters of the project, um, and we have numerous letters of support on file, and um, hoping that we'll have some supporters call in for this meeting as well to, for support. We are privileged to have Hoichi Kurisu and his team working on the project as the designer. He has been working in the field for over 50 years. He believes in the restorative powers of nature and the necessity of natural encounters for lasting health of our minds, bodies, and communities. In pursuit of this mission, Karisu has established a reputation for the gardens of the highest quality and has completed projects across the United States, in Japan, and internationally. Here are some examples of his work.
Throughout this process, I have learned a lot about Japanese gardens and, and how they're put together. I learned that a Japanese garden's essence is shaped at the time of installation. During the conceptual design phase, the designer places the major elements and plots the general progression through the space. But the design does not give you the blueprint for construction in the way that would typically exist for other types of projects. In the words of Mark Keane, who's a who's a designer and educator on Japanese gardens. Western gardens are built from the master plan down. Japanese gardens are built from the ground up. Hoichi Karisu's true skill lies in working with physical materials in the landscape. The reason that Japanese gardens are built from the ground up is that each object in the garden needs to speak to its surroundings. A stone is placed, and the next stone needs to speak to it. The trees, structures, even the ground plane are all connected to one another. The only way to remain true to the tradition of the Japanese garden is to have the builder also be the designer. In our current time and place, there may not be anyone who understands this better than Kurisu himself. This is how it's done in Japan, and this is how it's done in the finest Japanese gardens outside of Japan. So in order to ensure that the garden design is implemented in a culturally sensitive manner and reaches its full potential, we are looking to award the construction portion of the project to Karisu LLC as a sole source contract as described in Exhibit B. In addition to getting a better product, this, this approach will save the city over $200,000 in funding and 12 to 18 months of time by streamlining the construction documentation and installation phase. This project is gonna help set the tone for the evolution of the garden for years to come. I look forward to your support and thank you for your time. Thank you. Is there any public comment in the room? One up. Good morning. I think either works. Okay. Good, good morning. That's good morning, commissioners. Well. My name is Mary McCutcheon. Thank you, Gabe, for that great report. Um, I am a resident of San Francisco and a member of the uh, Friends of the Japanese Tea Garden. So I've been watching this project for many years now. And I was at the, um, I was at the wonderful concert last night. Uh, and as I was leaving the botanical garden, I had this uh, fabulous view of the Japanese tea garden and the pagoda, and it's still shrouded in the uh, plastic, white plastic, but that should be coming off, I think, next week. And we will all get to see this beautiful gem again that, um, that I've missed so much. Uh, whenever I look at a website of San Francisco, the pagoda is always prominent. It's like the jewel of the crown. Mm -hmm. of, of the city, and I think it is for a lot of residents as well as um, uh, visitors that want to want to share in our beauty. And the the pagoda is like a fine work of art, and the framing of that is so essential. And so the the courtyard around the pagoda, the landscaping, is. It's so important to showcasing the pagoda, and we are so fortunate to have Carisu's company to be able to 
create this beautiful landscape to, f to frame the pagoda. So I'm just so excited about his work. I've heard about it. He's, he's just a master artist, and, and we're lucky to have him. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for your public service. Do we have another commenter here? Hi there. I'm Stephen Pitsenbarger. I am a gardener at the Japanese Tea Garden. Uh, I've been there since 2007. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Hoichi Karisu. Uh, I visited many of his gardens around the country. He's designed, <laughs> yeah, you've seen them too. Um, he's designed beautiful public and private gardens. Um, but I wanted to talk about his sensitivity. He's designed a garden for a teen drug rehab facility in Illinois. Uh, he designed a garden for an oncology center in Salem, Oregon, and he even designed a garden for the Oregon State Penitentiary. So his specialty is in healing spaces. And at the Japanese Tea Garden, his sensitivity is needed for a portion of our garden that was altered severely during World War II. Uh, because of politics and because of racism, there are dramatic changes made to that part of the garden. And Hoichi Karisu is best positioned to bring that part of the garden into harmony with the existing garden in a way that will make it feel cohesive and hopefully heal some of those wounds from the past. Thank you for that context. Uh, yes. Just a, uh, a side note, if you look in your New York Times today, there is a story by... John Branch about the importance of fog to San Francisco and uh, our amazing uh, supervising gardener uh, Stephen Pitzenberger was quoted in there talking about the benefits of fog to the tea garden. Ah, thank you. Commissioner Louie. Is there any other public comment in the room? We do have callers on the line. Oh, how many callers do we, we have? Five. Okay. Um, we set a time limit of two minutes. Two minutes, callers, please go ahead. Um, good morning, Commissioners and General Manager Ginsburg. I am Louise Mazingo. I am a resident of District One, a member of the Friends of the Japanese Tea Garden, and I have been work working on the steering committee for this project. Um, I want to express my support for the design and sole source contract with Carisu LLC for the design implementation of this phase of the renovation of the Japanese tea garden. As a master of the Japanese garden, Hochi Carisu has no rivals in this country. For this project, his distinct, unique talents are essential to repair and renovate a section of the garden that was so callously destroyed in a racist act of demolition at the start of World War II. Indeed, beyond repair, this is a counteraction of reparation to make the garden whole while acknowledging the past. As a setting for gathering of intense, specific, and appropriate aesthetic articulation through uh, Hoichi Kurisu's design, it also forms a place of fundamental healing, of moving to the future. We have been fortunate indeed that Kurisu has been as dedicated as he has to this garden. I also... Keep going, you have 26 seconds. 
Okay, great. Um, I also would like to thank both Abigail Maher and Gabriel Meal and the entire Park and Rec staff for their undaunted support and work on this project. Um, it's a real testament to the dedication of the Park and Rec staff. Thank you very much, and I, I, um, I hope uh, for your support. Thank you. Next caller, please. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, my name is Stephanie Linder. I'm a resident of the Inner Sunset, and I am the CEO of the nonprofit partner for the Gardens of Golden Gate Park. The Japanese Tea Garden is heavily visited and a very beloved space with about half a million visitors a year. And now with the recent creation of the Gardens of Golden Gate Park, we are seeing more San Francisco residents and veterans that they can now that they can visit all three gardens, including the tea garden free of charge. Improving the landscape around the pagoda is an extension of the restoration that needs to be done. Caruso is the right designer. He understands public Japanese gardens. He has designed and built many fabulous gardens across the world, including the Portland Japanese Garden, Phipps Conservatory, the Japanese Lantern Garden, the U.S. National um, Arboretum in Washington, D.C. He's a world-class designer, and as we make the gardens of Golden Gate Park world-class, this is the kind of talent that we need to engage. His approach to the design build is authentic to the craft of Japanese gardens, and we have great confidence that he'll work, his work will truly enhance the Japanese tea garden. I also want to thank the friends of the Japanese tea garden and the Rec and Park staff for all their work to advance this project. Thank you. Next caller, please. Good morning, Commissioners and Director Ginsburg. This is Dr. Emily Murase, Executive Director of the Downtown Task Force. I'd like to remind the Commission that San Francisco is home to just one of three remaining Japantowns in the country. Japantown Cultural District is the first cultural district to be designated by the city town. On behalf of the Japantown Task Force, I want to express our unequivocal enthusiastic support for the proposed plan for improvements to the Japanese tea garden. Uh, I grew up a few blocks away from the garden. My siblings and I used to run around freely uh, there as youngsters. A lot of tourists took snapshots of Japanese American kids in the Japanese tea garden. So I was delighted to join the June 27th community briefing with my architect, Koichi Kurisu, at the Japanese tea garden along with several of the Japantown Task Force board members. Mr. Kurisu shared the audience the conceptual design and importantly, the cultural significance of design elements. I want to recognize Commissioner Nita Louie and Larry Griffin for the visible and the support of the Japanese American community, Abigail Maher for her collaboration, and Steven Sittenberger and the very talented team who maintain the Japanese tea garden. Again, I urge your support for this historically and culturally significant plan that is important not only to the Japanese American community, but to the 800,000 residents of and millions of visitors to Gongi Park and to San Francisco. Thank you. Next caller, please. 
Um, hello, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today by telephone. My name is Reverend Gary Barbary, and I am the president of the Japanese American Religious Federation of San Francisco. We're 12 historic Japanese American congregations here in the city. And uh, um, I wanted to echo um, the items in support of Mr. Kurisu's landscape design um, by Gabriel and also the other commentators. But I wanted to add um, the most astonishing thing to me is that the pagoda was originally built as a advertising um, device at the Pan Pacific Exposition Food Hall. It was called the Treasure Tower. And when that exposition closed, it was moved to um, Golden Gate Park area as it was being developed. And uh, Mr. Carisu's uh, design actually converts that commercial promotional um, feature into um, a sacred uh, centerpiece for Golden Gate Park. And I'm especially interested in the way that um, the public will be able to gather there and have educational activities and artistic performances. So I fully support um, this proposal. Thank you very much. Next caller, please. This is Michiko Kurisu and Hoichi Kurisu on the same line from Kurisu LLC and Hoichi Kurisu will speak first. My name is Hoichi Kurisu, a designer for this Pagoda Reservation Project. Uh, I feel so be honored to uh, be here in front of the commission. I don't think you don't want to hear any more about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Gabe mentioned the 50 years I've been in this country, United States. It's a 58 years straight as a design built the Japanese garden is practicing, but the convinced me past the 58 years in order to convey the designers the intention, design intent is has to be designed, has to be involved the building. That's why I like to see this project is like to involve myself and uh, the project. It's of course, particularly this project respects the historical past and anything is a if event is back to the other side and uh, like to see next uh, hundred plus years to remain in the, as an icon of the one of the San Francisco city and for the university global base is that people enjoy and learn it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there any other hands raised on the line? I think Ms. Kirsu was going to speak. Okay. So no, seeing no other public comment, public comment is now closed. Is that right? She, I thought she was going to speak. Ms. I know, but I thought 
the lady that introduced the artist said, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> all right, Commissioner Louie, please. Um, wow, the actual artist called in. So uh, I'm a big fan of Huichi uh, Kurisu, and I visited one of his gardens, Japanese gardens in Portland. And General Manager Ginsburg, when you're in Chicago next time visiting your daughter, he built this beautiful Chicago penthouse space. And it is, it's meditative, it's, um, it's resilient, and his, his landscapes are just so beautiful. And um, to even think about having him um, leave his imprint at the Japanese tea garden in the park is quite the feather in his cap and uh, really a wonderful thing for San Francisco. Um, and Commissioner Anderson, Vice President Anderson, he built a uh, Japanese garden after your name. It's called the Anderson Japanese Garden, <laughs> and that is also in Illinois. Wow. So uh, this we'll is, to go this is quite a, a real big treat for visitors. San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Griffin. Yeah, Mr. Um, Mr. Mio, could you come back up for a sec? And is it possible to put up, I believe, that first slide that you had that kind of showed the entire Japanese tea garden? Yeah. Can you show me from the main entrance how somebody with disabilities would be able to make it to the pagoda? Well, we have a we have a prefer there is a preferred path and I can show you that. Yeah, I I've, I've heard there was one. That's but I have never seen it. So, I was hoping you could show it to me. But also, I just want to say, like, we've been working with MOD on accessibility issues in the garden for many years. There's a variety of, oh, sorry. There's a variety of significant technical and planning challenges to accessibility in certain areas of the garden. And we were constantly working with them to, to, um, to improve the garden. This, addressing the overall garden issues was well outside the budget and scope of this this pagoda project, um, and just where we are committed to continue working with MOD going forward. The proposed design itself in the landscape area um, improves accessibility around the pagoda. We're opening it up. We're getting we're getting rid of the fence. People are going to be able to get closer to the pagoda and and have a larger plaza space. Um, we're going to be removing tripping hazards as well. Um, in addition, the parking lot adjacent to the, to the tea garden has just undergone a renovation and has um, increased the capacity for accessible parking right nearby. That, that's where I parked when I went to the garden last week and took a walk around. Um, <clears throat> back to that the drawing that we were looking at, so, I had been advised that from the main entrance, well, what originally brought up my questions about accessibility was looking at the actual area where the pagoda is and that staircase up to it. Right. But somebody in a wheelchair can't get up there, right? Yeah, the stair. No. So there's several paths. Um, Stephen, do you want to do you want to walk through the? And let me just tell you that these questions that I have are not 
in a negative manner. They're in a positive, and I think the project is wonderful. I just do have these questions about accessibility. Yeah, if you don't mind, I can point out that would be wonderful. They do, okay, okay. Okay, I, I would also just like to add that when I went out there and walked around, and I walked pretty much around the entire garden, it was, I was like in another world. It was absolutely amazing. All of the, the way that everything has been bonsai cut, everywhere you look, it was, it was just such a treat. Um, so what you're doing with that place is amazing, and I can't wait to see the pagoda, but let's just always remember that it's hard for some folks to get there. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Griffin. Commissioner Mazzola. Yeah, thank you. Um, thanks for your hard work on this. Sounds like a good project. I just had some questions regarding the sole source part of it um, in general um, and how that's going to be handled with this job, too. So, I mean, there's pretty strict parameters to get a waiver from what I've read, um, but it seems like this definitely fits into that category. Right. Um, so was how does that work? Does the department submit a waiver, and did you get approved for a waiver to do this sole source? Um, yes. So this is one part of approval by the commission. We have to get a CMD waiver in terms of subcontracting. There should still be a city contract in place with all the prevailing wage um, you know rules and LCP track tracking certified payroll all that stuff is um, still in effect but yeah those I think those are the, the main steps to okay so so is sorry if I mispronounced the name he just spoke earlier is Karusu Karusu LLC self-performing some of this work yeah they're gonna self-perform all all the work. All the work. Okay. And, they're, and, and they're, uh, they're, they have a general contractor license in California, and they're an approved city vendor now. So, And all of his employees just, will be paid prevailing wage? Yes. that's Including himself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, they're going to be under all the standard. Where I'm, it's going to be a, a, you know, uh, the same contracting procedure as we do for all of our, all of our projects. This just allows us to um, be able to, to use Carisu. Um, Gabe, just to clarify, um, uh, the architect also de designed the first phase, which was the pagoda. And the pagoda was the actual construction work, I believe, was done by our carpenters and our painters. So, But for this phase, he's designing, and are we 
are any of our trades involved in su supporting this pro this phase as well? Yeah, we hope so. Um, we're going to, I mean, as a way to manage costs, we're going to try to use our gardening staff for, for much of the vegetation um, moving and like planting and any, any, any work that we can assist in the project, um, we, we'll do in-house. The carpentry shop is also going to be eventually renovating the Long Bridge, which leads to the to the pagoda. So if you look at if you look at the whole project with the pagoda structure itself, the landscape and the Long Bridge, um, you know the the Union Carpentry Shop is doing nearly two thirds of the the overall project, which I which I think is great. And and they're they've just done such a wonderful job on the pagoda restoration so far. And how how does it work when you do a sole source contract as far as because normally if you'd put it out to a competitive bid you'd have an engineer's estimate. Do you still have an engineer's estimate and is that is this bid in line with that? Yes. Um based on we we've analyzed the cost based on similar projects um in Golden Gate Park and we've done we have done a lot of boulder work with the signage boulders and and similar large scale um the large scale moving of those kind of items so yes it's well within the the i mean it's, this is a very unusual project and that's why we're we're that's why we're going this route but yes it it fits within the the typical budgeting for this kind of a project okay i think that's all i have for now thank you commissioner mazola i don't know stacy did you have any luck with that no Oh, okay. I was going to share a little photo. I'll just I'll just hold it up as illustration here. Let's see. Most of you guys can't see that, but there's the the bridge and a little tot with a red jacket, 1971. My very first act as a Rec and Park commissioner, <laughs> <laughs> 51 years ago. It's I would think I, I I'm gonna have to say how old I was. I was six, I think, and um, it was definitely the most spectacular thing I'd ever seen in my life. And even then, as a little tot, I got a sense of the sacredness of the space. And I'm really glad to hear this talk about talked about with such sensitivity. And thank you so much to the creator that were the artists that were. Harichi uh, Caruso, who, who phoned in. Um, we very much respect the attitude that he has towards this project, so thank you. Any other? Okay, I'll take a motion on approving. So moved. A, and a second? You want to second it? Aye. No, you say I second. A second. I okay. second. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. It is so approved. Thank you. We are now on item 10, India Basin Shoreline Park, temporary mural placement. Stacy, before our staff member starts, do we have any control over the air conditioning? It's, it's a freezer in here. Can we ask them to stop blasting us with air conditioning, please? <laughs> the window's open. 
Philip downstairs. So. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, oh, ready. Nathan, you first, before start, um, Madam, yes. Madam President, with your indulgence, uh, Sarah Madeline's going to join for the final two items at the dais. I have a uh, recreation all staff meeting at Kizar at uh, right. 12 o'clock where I am speaking. Right. Okay. Get a roll. Okay, don't speed. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Welcome, Sarah. I have a presentation up, <laughs> Stacey, if you. And need some tech there. Right, wonderful. Okay. All right, we're ready. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, good afternoon. Good morning. Is it still morning? Still morning, commissioners. I'm Nathan Tinclair with uh, Rec and Parks Partnerships team, and I'm here today to request your approval of a temporary mural to be installed at the India Basin Shoreline Park basketball court and adjacent plaza area. Ship uh, on the screen. This mural came about as part of the India Basin project, which um, was wonderful to see many of you um, at the park yesterday. Um, it's a partnership between the Recreation and Park Department, A. Philip Randolph Institute, Trust for Public Land, the San Francisco Parks Alliance, and the Greater Bayview Hunters Point community. <coughs> And one of the key components of the project that um, Phil mentioned a little bit earlier in this meeting um, as well was the equitable development plan. And the EDP outlined six areas of focus to ensure that the park's development benefits the Bayview-Hunters Point community and its current residents. And this Hype Court project grew out of the arts, culture, and identity and youth opportunities goals of the EDP. So what is a Hype Court? Um, originally inspired by an organization out of LA called Project Backboard, Rec and Park has in recent years experimented with murals on some of our sport court surfaces. Um, have photos here of the mural on the Hayes Valley Playground basketball court, which was a partnership with Kevin Durant's charity foundation, um, and we installed in 2019. And then, of course, the recently installed mural on the Skate and Place surface in Golden Gate Park, which um, was installed a little bit earlier this year. Drawing on the popularity of those courts, um, and again, building out of the arts, culture, and identity, and youth opportunities goals of the EDP, um, the India Basin Project Partners wanted to give youth in the Bayview-Hunters Point community an opportunity to develop their own hype court. Our first step was to select an artist to lead the project, and the project team put out an RFQ in 2021, and a panel of representatives from the project um, and the community chose local artist Nina Fabunmi, whose studio is at the Hunters Point Shipyard. And next, we recruited five local high school youth to work with Nina to create the artwork. Um, and we have an image of our youth artists at work in the park on your screen with their names. <laughs> the team met at the park over six weekends in the summer of 2021 to develop a concept for the artwork using inspiration from sports, music, nature, and plants within the park itself and the greater community of Bayview Hunters Point. Um, and here's a couple images of the artists at work and some of the initial concept sketches that they came up with. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and our artist, Ms. Fabunmi, incorporated the youth uh, concepts into a master design. And I have a couple images here I'll run through just showing where some of the youth's um, concepts were incorporated. Um, love this image of the basketball player, which is pretty prominently featured in the final design. Um, and then I really liked these images of, as well of um, inspiration that the youth artists got from um, jewelry that people were wearing in the park, which I think is really fun. Uh, so from there, Ms. Fabunmi used this overall design to develop three different mural options, which we shared with the broader community. Um, they all had a mural adjacent to the basketball court, um, but one had no mural on the court itself, one had a simplified design on the court, and one had the full mural both on the adjacent plaza and the court, um, as the youth artists had originally proposed. And the project partners surveyed people at our May 2022 Sankofa Market and Community Day of Healing event in person, and also distribute, distributed the survey digitally via the India Basin Project newsletter, um, APRI's newsletter, as well as some other direct outreach to stakeholders. And we received uh, 226 responses to our survey. And the uh, option selected was the third option with the full mural on both the plaza and the basketball court. Um, and this was the first choice of about half of the respondents and, and the other responses were split between the other two. Great. And so to close, we're currently seeking approval from the Recreation and Park Commission. Um, concurrently, our partners at the San Francisco Parks Alliance are seeking approval at the San Francisco Arts Commission. And once approved by these bodies, Rec and Park will execute a permit with the San Francisco Parks Alliance uh, to allow the artists to install and maintain the work. We hope to paint the mural next month, um, and it will be installed by Ms. Fabunmi and five to 10 community members with first priority going to the youth artists who worked on the design. Um, and I'll just call out again, the mural is intended to be temporary and last until the park goes into construction, which we anticipate will be in the coming years. Um, I did want to call out, we updated the agenda wording from Capital Committee to be a little bit more broad as to how long the mural will be there, identifying it as when the park will start construction. Um, so thank you very much. I'll be happy to take any questions. Do we have any public comment in the room? No. Do we have anyone on the line? We can go ahead and put them through. Hi, my name is Eva Hopkins, and I am calling in on behalf of the project. And I wanted to say that this is really important and just one of many efforts coming that symbolizes equity in our parks in the underserved southeast sector of San Francisco. And that's it. Thanks. Thank you. There are no other callers with their hand raised, so public comment is, oh, wait, one more. Go ahead and put them through. <laughs> Hello? Anybody there? Hi. Go ahead. Hi. I'm sorry. I was trying to, I was having some technical difficulty. This is Maya Rogers. I'm um, a project manager from SF Parks Alliance. Can you hear me? Yes. yes please good. go ahead. Okay. 
Um, and um, I, I just want to echo what Eva also said. You know, I think oftentimes art is placed in areas that we see that. And I think this process has been um, very a very robust uh, community process. So uh, the community. Uh, the community often said um, that they would like to see more color, you know, in this space, and um, which I think is which led them to select the, the version of the art that they did choose. So I think it's an awesome idea. It's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. SFGov, are there any other hands? Okay, being no other public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioner Hallisey. Uh, Nathan, <clears throat> nice report. Thank you very much. I am <clears throat> very much intrigued by this equitable uh, development plan. I uh, just, the, the organization behind it, from you and your, <clears throat> excuse me, and your group is, is excellent. And those six components, uh, of course, number five is, is youth opportunities, which we've been discussing at length uh, for this project and other areas. And um, having five local high school students involved in the design of this mural is fantastic. And I would just like to say, Great work to you and your team and everybody that made this decision um, because what you're doing is you're adhering to what you are presenting to the public and more specifically to the community members where this project is happening. So a great report and great organization. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to concur with my fellow commissioner that uh, it's a great report and the work you're doing out there is incredible. My only concern is what happens when it goes away? Is the basketball court being destroyed and moved or something? Or what's the plan? Um, I would defer if there's someone who has a little bit more knowledge of the capital project and how that might be included. Um, I believe I have seen a basketball court in renderings, but are you, do you want to speak to that, Sarah? Yes, Thank you. Uh, Commissioner. The new uh, park uh, on that location includes two basketball courts and um, a, a gathering area around the courts. The community feedback that we received is was that uh, folks didn't want just the basketball court, but a place to hang out and, and be able to watch. And so there's sure. a, a covered area and seating um, around it. So I think uh, if the, this, this court will go away with the construction, everyone has known that um, throughout the planning. Um, I think if the murals become beloved, there's probably a conversation around having this or or another type of mural on the existing basketball court, but there are two planned in the renovation. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I would love to see something similar to that in in the, with the future courts that are set up. So, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Louie. Um, having um, 
being a fan of basketball and color, is this design that you're showing us, Nathan, one, two, and three, you mean all those colors are considered to be on the floor of the court or like? So um, if you pull up, I've now have pulled up, we, we thinking about that, we wanted to offer three different options of the final design to the community, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so if I go back one, we had kind of no color, a simplified color, or the full mural, which is what the youth artists had designed. And the image with the full mural was selected the most out of those three in the community outreach that we did afterwards. Um, one of the comments that the artists took into account in making this design was ensuring that the striping would be um, very visible, so it's easy to play on this. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is a little bit more intricate than what we've done in the past, and I think this is a really awesome opportunity for us to try that, particularly knowing the court will be changed in a couple of years, right? Um, and so I think we'll we'll be interested to see how that plays out, but um, it's it's our feeling that we can do this with the line still showing and um, and yeah have have basketball be harmonious with a design. I think the Hayes Valley Court's been extremely popular, and that's well, it's different than this. It's it's also quite colorful and mm -hmm. a lot of different extra lines on it. And yeah, and you've heard back from the community that this is this is something they would would enjoy too. Um, are you talking about for this? Yeah, for this all design. The on the court. Correct. Basketball yeah. So court. we um, we asked people in person at our May Sankofa Market and Community Day of Healing event, and then distributed a survey to um, folks on the India Basin newsletter, um, people in the leadership committee, and there were different opinions. I mean, all three of the options did get votes, but this did receive the most, and um, we're excited to give it a try. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We can take action on this. Um, can I get a motion and a second to approve? So moved. Second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Nathan. We are now on item 11, Harding, Harding Golf Course LPGA agreement. Welcome, Dana. All right, first time back since the pandemic. Good yeah. to see you all in person. Um, good morning still, commissioners. Um, the first item I am presenting to you today uh, is a discussion of possible action to authorize the department to negotiate and enter into an agreement with the LPGA to hold uh, at Harding Golf Course the 2020-24 International Crown Tournament. And this is a tournament involving 32 players. It's a global match play for those of you who like match play golf. And eight countries will be represented. There are 11 countries still competing to decide who the eight countries will be. Um, but they are you know, pretty fascinating watched by the best women golfers. Um, in, in the world, and we're very excited about this opportunity. Dates would be May 1 to 7, 2023, and we've looked and we think we can make that work around our Lake Merced boat races without imposing 
a burden on um, that important youth-serving uh, program that we have. Um, the use of the course is for an entire week, plus some impact for the weeks prior to build out tents and things like that. Um, the site fee is intended to be a break-even for us, so uh, our TPG folks have calculated, and you have details, the lost revenue from closing it, and, which is about $280,000, and then reimbursing us our staff time. And we don't have a precise number on that because it depends. It's actually, they tend to play two rounds a day, but it just depends on the timing and the TV timing and all that. But we will work those details out. Um, we This is supported by the PGA Tour. We want to thank the San Francisco Golf uh, Alliance for providing us and Richard Harris with a letter uh, supporting this as well. And since this time, SF Travel has come and support this. The Harding User Groups support it and the First Tee, so all the groups that would be most impacted. Uh, we recommend approval. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone in the room who would <laughs> like to make public comment? Is there anyone on the line? Being no public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioner Louie. Commissioner Griffin. Yes, uh, nice to see you, Dana. Um, and it is 2023, right? Did I say? For when you yes. started, you said 2024. It's 2023. 2023, thank okay. you. Yeah. Um, is there any reimbursement for wear and tear on... Actually, it actually helps our courses. If you think about the level of play and the amount of, of love that goes in it, it's actually less play than we would normally have in a week on the course. But and what about the TV stuff? It's really off-site. We have a very good plan. We've done these tournaments before uh, in terms of what we need to do. Our team has built in any extra expense to set it up. And, and I do want to, I forgot to mention this, and I think an important part of this is that, you know, keeping Harding in the spotlight is really important as a one of the few sure. public excellent courses. So these sorts of things heighten our maintenance in some ways. They're providing, um, there's a reimbursement for materials and supplies to do extra fertilization. If anything, the course will look beautiful. Uh, we're not worried about impact on the course. Okay. Ah, Commissioner Mazzola. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Dana, for the report. This is an exciting item, um, having the LPGA here. Um, and to follow up what was just discussed with Commissioner Griffin and yourself, um, I do believe that the course will be in better shape than it was when they got there. Um, and that's uh, a tribute to the staff um, at Harding Park, especially Kevin Tian, who really did a great job, a phenomenal job with the last PGA tournament that was there during the pandemic. He had a lot of things to deal with, and uh, he's top-notch, and I would welcome any tournament to come here with him running it and working with the LB, LPGA and the PGA. So I think this is an exciting time, and we need to have more tournaments like this here. Um, like you said, it, it uh, exemplifies our beautiful course in a beautiful city. So 
um, I'm all for this, and I'm excited that you guys brought this today, and I'll be voting yes, so thank you. I'd like to affirm what Commissioner Mozilla said. I went out there, too, and was quite impressed with the whole operation, and I got to talk with a lot of volunteers who were just so excited and happy to be there, and they were such great emissaries for San Francisco. So I don't know who puts the volunteers together, but they're doing a great job, too. Um, all right, so uh, Commissioner Hallisey. Uh, yes, Dana, um, I think this is fantastic. Uh, I attended the uh, PGA tournament there as well. I got to watch some on the television, and uh, the aerial views of Harding were spectacular. Do you, you know at this point that it will be a nationally televised event, possibly internationally televised event? This tournament is followed very closely around the world by these teams. Mm -hmm. um, the... I have the list of where the teams are potentially from. Um, let's see. Australia, China, England, France, Germany, Japan, Korea, Sweden, Taipei, Thailand, and the United States. Um, you know, and, and, they, and they do have followers that come with them. One of the reasons SF Travel is super excited about this. Mm. And it's not just the event being televised. It's the lead-up to it from all the other tournaments going, which will highlight Harding. And, of course, one of the reasons the PGA looked so beautiful was no one was there. <laughs> so the grass was, you know, was just the most amazing venue you could have. Um, they do expect, you know, fans to come out and, and enjoy this, and, they, and they're hoping to launch the marketing as soon as as soon as we get the approval done so thank you yeah no that this is uh, gonna be fantastic thank you any public comment all right um, I would like to hear a motion and a second to approve so moved second all those in favor state aye aye, aye. aye. any opposition none oh it passes Dana another win thank you Dana have a good day. Good to see you. I'm not Dana's leaving. Not going, Dana's I know. not going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> we're, on, we're on item 12, Golden Gate Park, JFK Promenade. Ooh, you get to talk on that one? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to get it started. Yeah, the reason I kept going over here was I was trying to get my PowerPoint up and ready for this next one, in case you wondered why, why does she keep walking away? Um, so I have with me uh, my great colleague from our Capital Division, Dan Maurer, and we are going to tag team on this, and we do want to push for me, and I'll push for you. Okay, cool. Uh, we're going to tag team on this, except I need to see my slides. So never mind. Um, we're going to tag team on this and present an update to you on the JFK promenade. Just a reminder, in case you could have forgotten after that wonderfully long meeting, uh, in no. April 2022, the Board of Supervisors approved the permanent closure of JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park from Keysar to Transverse, creating a car-free promenade that was based on the recommendation of this commission. Uh, the department and SFMTA have been working together to ensure safe, equitable access to the park and that when people arrive, they're greeted by a vibrant and welcoming space. And we're here to update you on that. So we have a number of things that are going on. We are experimenting with temporary activations that promote health, happiness, and well-being. 
These activations give us a chance to try and see what works. This is not the long-term complete solution, but to see what takes for the people. So they include art and design, food, social seating and tables, placing large box trees and interactive elements to see what works best. Because this is not just a closed road that people walk and bike on. This is actually going to become a promenade. Um, participants in our efforts to date have included um, SFMTA, Illuminate for the Arts, which you'll hear more about, Paint the Void, and both the department's Recreation Division and Capital Division, hence Dan is here, as well as musicians and local food purveyors. Um, we also expect the Parks Alliance to help participate as well. Um, all institution installations will be temporary. Uh, Dan, you want to take it yeah. right here? Does this mic work? So I can just, if you just you want to. You printed it, so yeah. ahead of me. <laughs> Killing trees. Um, so improving entrances. So uh, Dana's going to go through slides after I present here with a whole host of uh, other. Uh, I have one more slide then. Oh. So um, before kinda... we get to improving entrances, you can tell we practiced. Um, we have done some other things. We've worked on improving access, because that was the number one priority we heard. We have implemented the daily shuttle. We have put new taxi stands in the music concourse. We have created Dan's team. Uh, tw uh, 20 free blue zone parking spaces, um, as well as additional parking on Nancy Pelosi and MLK Drive. Uh, we've repaved walking surfaces and created an accessible path to the tea garden and curb ramps. Um, the MTA restored the 21 Hayes bus to provide access easily from the Western Edition, Hayes Valley, and the Tenderloin. And we've been working with the BORP organization, which has an adaptive cycling program to provide free cycles uh, for folks who want to come and try them on the weekends. Now, Dan. Great. Thanks, Dana. Yeah, so uh, the elements I'm going to present here are uh, focused on uh, items that uh, the Capital Division is working on in concert with the, the larger team on all these temporary improvements and placemaking spaces. Uh, but what we're working on, and if you've been out there uh, recently, you've probably seen that we've removed a lot of um, what we call sign clutter in the park, taking down signs that aren't required any longer, so that we're cleaning the space up and turning it into a park. Um, the other things we're doing are removing some of the roadway striping that is no longer required, so we're cleaning that space up and making it a, a cleaner surface and easier to read for the people who are using it when they're cycling and skateboarding and, and, and walking and jogging through the space. Um, and so the other things that we're doing is we're going to put new paint at entrances, um, uh, and uh, the two areas that we're focused on specifically, you'll hear others in the presentation, are at Kizar and JFK as you enter the, uh, the park there, and then at 8th Avenue, just to the east and west of 8th Avenue. Um, and what we're trying to do is provide some pause points uh, where people can basically stop enjoy the space, uh, control some traffic conditions that are currently out there, uh, and, and make it a friendlier, uh, more inviting park space. And in, that, in those locations, I think Dan alluded to before, we're looking to put chairs and trees, uh, tables, uh, and uh, also some play elements like uh, a concrete ping pong table and cornhole elements so that people can actually stop and enjoy the space rather than just passing through it. Um, the other thing that we're doing too is if you've been through the park, uh, and during the whole COVID period, we put up a bunch of temporary barricades throughout the park during this closed 
during the closed section, and there's probably eight or nine different variations of those type of structures from A-frame signs to traditional roadway barricades, uh, concrete barricades and, and such. And what we want to do is clean that up so it's less clutter in the park. And so what we're proposing to do is put more decorative uh, concrete barricades out there. So we have decorative K-rail barricades, which are smaller and more uh, ornate than the traditional ones, and then some concrete ballers that we're calling. There's concrete spheres, and some of these elements are going to match some of the concrete elements that you see on the bridge at 10th Avenue there. Uh, so we're trying to get a theme that runs through the park so that, one, we're providing the safety and protection we need for cyclists and vehicles that are actually uh, moving through the spaces, but make it more friendly for the park environment and, and, and a cleaner a cleaner look uh, for park visitors. Um, there are a few images here. They're a little hard to see, but um, these are the two painted murals that we're proposing at Keysar and at 8th Avenue. We're trying to emulate the park shuttle mural that was done there. So you can see that the color palettes and kind of the shapes uh, are emulating our park shuttle uh, bus wrap, and it's the 150th anniversary logo that we were using as well. So uh, we're building upon that theme. Um, and again, in these images, it's hard to see here, but there'll be uh, each of these spaces will be sprinkled with some chairs, tables, and, and play elements that again will create that pause point for people visiting the spaces. Um, here's some furniture that we're proposing to put out there uh, on your image there. Again, some tables, benches. There's semi like uh, lounge chairs, so to speak. Um, and then you can see we're uh, going to be putting some box sized trees out there, 36 inch box sized trees, to give it uh, a more park like feel. Um, those will be temporary in nature as well. Uh, and we're going to try those out and see whether or not they last as long as I think they will. But they can be substituted out, and we'll plant those in the park when they start to show a little degradation and put some new, new trees out there and maybe make it a cycle. Uh, next picture. And then these are the bollards that you see here that we're put, gonna be putting out in the park. Uh, those are rough representation images of it, but you can see that we're gonna be scattering those throughout the park from the windmill all the way up to Keysar Drive at key locations. Again, removing all the old clutter that's out there and just having a constant, con consistent theme through the park. Um, so that's the goal there. Uh, so the next part is to talk about how we are activating the promenade with other things, including interesting installations, music, and food. So first, for what I call interesting installations, we're looking at art, mural, and sculpture. And I want to give a shout out to Illuminate for the Arts. Ben Davis is here. Um, who, as many of you know, uh, did the Bay Bridge Lights, has created so many great things. He helped us with the band shell and bringing music back to the music concourse. He is full of ideas and energy and placemaking, at times to an exhausting degree. Uh, but we have come up with what a plan that we're really excited to share with you. Um, on Monday, in this very main room, we met with the Arts Commission, who did something really different than they were done before. Normally, every time we put art anywhere in our parks, even temporary, we have to go to the commission. They gave a blanket approval to their director that lets us go to the director and say, boom, we want to do this. Can you get it approved? And I'm happy to report we got how many? 12 approved yesterday. So, and I have to say the Arts Commission was enth incredibly enthusiastic and positive. We view the promenade as a great new place to display art. If you think about the scale of a large art and things like that. Um, 
it, Illuminate has also been working with an organization who some of you may be familiar with, they certainly were, called Paint the Void, who does murals around the place. And then we're looking at some other fun and interesting in installations. But let's first talk about art. Paint the Void is going to be putting murals on the blacktop throughout JFK. So, um, and these are some of the representative artists that are coming from all over the city to create art and kind of change it from looking like a road to a place you can wander down and step on the mural and look at the mural. And you're also gonna be able to watch installations of the art, which is starting this weekend. So here are some of the examples going through just to give you some pictures. Um, the first one, this is next to Peacock Meadow. Um, then um, a uh, we are native land uh, coming to um, you know represent the importance of the history of our land. Um, this is just a beautiful flower placed. Uh, this is on the Lindy Bridge. This is where the Lindy dancers are. And if you look closely, you'll see there are images of the dancers embedded in the art. Um, I got to speak to her yesterday by phone as she was standing out there chalking where the different pieces are going. We're doing it very carefully so they paint only in certain areas so that there's ways for people to come through. Uh, the Rose Garden, you'll notice those are rose images. 14th Avenue East Meadow, Pioneer Meadow, Stowe Lake, and Doughboy Meadow. Um, those are all going to be very exciting to kind of wander down and see on the promenade. Um, oh, and Rainbow Falls. Sorry, didn't mean to forget that one. We also are doing some sculpture-type installations, and there's likely more to come. Uh, this is cubes that, um, that we found. Ben actually found. He was at Burning Man. Uh, and is bringing back to us that are going to go in front of the Garfield statute and, and express the words love. Um, and then Dana Kinning is doing a, a sculpture on top of a tree stump that we're going to be placing in there. We're also doing some interactive exhibitions that aren't technically art, um, but the doggy diner heads are going to be placed on JFK um, with some playful paws around them uh, for kids and families to come out and see and enjoy. So that's where we are in art so far. Uh, and anything you know, other than the murals, we can move things around. Um, and Illuminate is also placing two pianos on the promenade, which will, we're bringing music, which can, is open to the public and they can play. And then our team during the pandemic has been working on a busker program for Golden Gate Park. And we are launching it. It's actually live on our website. And what buskers, I'll, I'll get to that. And then we have music music. I'll give you a little more detail. Buskers allows musicians and other performers to easily, our program, to easily obtain permits. Before, we didn't have a program to permit them, and you can't just show up and do it because you can be on top of other people and things like that. And uh, so we've identified my team, Shauna Bogutz, who you've met, went out um, with Jessica Hing, also on my team, and found spots, good spots for buskers. And um, there's an easy online form for people to apply. And the program is free. 
until March 1, 2023. After that, it's a $73 a year. And people will sign up for specific dates and times, so you won't go on top of the San Francisco Marathon or on top of each other. It does not allow for amplified sound because there are a lot of other park users, much harder to complain, to, to contain. But we do have a solution on that, which is called Music Mosey. And Illuminate is also helping us with this using the same folks that have been working at the band shell for the last year. And we have two locations, one on JFK and Nancy Pelosi, where you might remember the Welcome Center was, and one over by 14th Avenue Playground with battery-operated, low-level, I call this modestly amplified music, low-level music. Uh, Illuminate's team will be, permitted, will be permitted to coordinate a regular schedule of free live music, so you mosey down the promenade to hear music. Um, and uh, the site will also be open for Mike for buskers who want amplified sound. So if a busker applied for a program and said, I really want amplified sound, they could sign up for one of the slots here. We have other fun activations, ping pong tables, games such as cornhole, mobile rec will be bringing out the climbing wall and skating elements. And um, there are hundreds of chairs being placed along the promenade, Adirondack chairs for engaging and interacting. We're also looking to expand food. Um, we currently have a couple of, um, of um, food trucks. We have just simplified our RFP, um, which was like an old one with 10 addendums, and it's been launched to make it easier um, for food vendors to come in. And we're also looking at having a small beer and wine garden near the 14th Avenue picnic area, which is also one of the music sites. We have bringing events to the promenade. The Halloween event, and it now has a, a new name, Sarah might remember. Halloween haunt on JFK. Uh, so Skier Grove is going to move to JFK for this year, and then we'll have our annual tree lighting. We have some other things to come, including like prom on the promenade, which is a dancing event that's coming up. More to come on all of that. But I do want to emphasize that all of this is temporary and exploratory. This is, we have six months to sort of test things out and try placemaking and see what is best. We can move things if this location doesn't work or that location creates too much congestion. Um, and, um, and we're looking to get feedback from everybody on the experience and, um, and really want to thank our, our uh, Illuminate for stepping in to, um, to kind of help with placemaking as we, as we move forward. Thank you. Is there anyone in the room that'd like to make public comment? IT, is there anyone on the phone that would like to make public comment? Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed, and this was a discussion only. Commissioner Hallisey. Uh, Dana, first of all, thanks for bringing up the shuttles and taxi stands. Um, at the lengthy meeting with MTA over the closure of JFK, uh, I made the point, um, not agreed upon by many, but I made the point that I felt that the closure of JFK was more a transportation issue than a recreational issue so that folks can get to these great attractions we have in that stretch, and I still believe that. Um, but I have a, a couple of questions. Number one, these temporary 
activations. Do you have a cost? Uh, well, the, um, we we're issuing the permits for those activations to, um, to Illuminate, who raises money to put activations throughout the city. And so there's not cost to that. For um, what Dan's done, which is creating a safer entryway, the budget... I don't have the our figures off the top of my head, but the idea is that uh, all the elements that we're buying, with the exception of putting paint on the ground, are mobile and can be reutilized in our park system. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm happy to get those costs to you, those those hard costs to you, uh, separately. Well, right, thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. Now, we as a commission, as you know, we approve the closure of JFK, but I would think possibly there are some viewers or listeners who may be wondering why there would be any funds spent at this time when the voters have not spoken as yet. And, I mean, that's, that's a question I have. Now, Dan, though, actually, I think you answered that, that, that uh, what uh, the outlay that will be made now, regardless of the decision in November, and as I said, we, we are on board. The commission voted to, to close JFK, but... The outlay of funds at this time, suppose it goes, the voters go against us, you're saying that, that, that all of the things purchased could be used throughout the, por the park system. In the Absolutely. Future. Okay. Other than paint. Okay. Other, other than the paint and, and the grinding work that's happening on the asphalt, obviously. Um, and MTA is covering the cost of, of that effort because they're doing it with their in-house staff. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Griffin. Actually, I had some of the same questions that uh, Commissioner Hallisey had about the cost. Um, I, I guess the last question I had that hasn't really been answered is, Danny, you gave a great presentation, but it didn't seem like a presentation of temporary anything. It oh. seemed like quite a presentation of a permanent change. And let me let me go through that. The paint that been, has been used that they're using would not. I mean, for the murals is intended to be a six month paint, and obviously, will, will disappear over time. So if the road was reopened, not an issue. Everything else, the um, the art installations, the pianos, the chairs, those can those are all temporary. Nothing is being set into the ground. Concrete ping pong table. Well, the ping pong table is dance, and we can deploy it in any number of parks. Yeah, those are basically concrete elements that are just going to be set on the asphalt, including all the site furnishings that we're doing. With the we're going to have to bolt a table down or two so they don't end up walking away. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> all those all those elements would, if if by chance we need to reverse course, all these elements could be picked up and moved into our park system, either in Golden Gate Park or any park across the city. In the Ballards and the. The, oh, yes, the, all yes. that and stuff. We, we'd be utilizing those for our operations right. staff, uh, and uh, they would utilize those again in Golden Gate Park and probably McLaren Park is the next best uh, home for those. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Jupiter Jones. 
Thank you for the presentation. It's all very exciting. Um, I wanted to first just appreciate, I loved seeing some of my friends' faces on there of artists that are going to be um, uh, doing the murals and I, just great work on kind of outreaching Paint the Void is an amazing organization. I think it's perfect for this project because they are very much about temporary art. Um, and of course, I hope that this can become more than temporary. Um, so great work with that. And I really seeing all the diverse communities and artistic practices that are going to be represented with this. Um, I have a question around, so the busker program, it's a, again, amazing program. And I'm just curious about how, how do people find out about this? So, cause it is, even though it's just temporary right now, it is really a great opportunity for our city's musicians. Well, and I want to make sure. Let's be clear. The busker program is not intended. Oh, it's great. temporary. We have been working on it for a year. Awesome. Um, and we did a big, I didn't give you a lot on it, but we did a big survey of other busker programs around the country and the ports program. We're doing an official launch tomorrow. You're getting the preview. And we are going to be, And we, but I've already spoken to the Entertainments Commission and we've spoken to, to Grant for the Arts um, and, and other musicians out there and they're all super excited to get the word out. You know, one of the reasons that this really came up was during the pandemic, we had people trying to just perform in the park because they lost their other venues. And we sort of had this on our list of things to get done for a long time. And we were like, let's get this done. Let's just move. And, and maybe it won't be perfect. And so, yes, temporary, and it will adjust it. But our intent is to keep this going. Okay. And Dana, I would just add that um, because we work with Illuminate on the band shell, uh, we're using those contacts to also get yes. the word out to musicians. Yes. And, so, and will it also go on the normal channels like our social media and our e so yeah. maybe folks that are in our and actually connected. if you looked on our website it's already up there under permits great thank you <laughs> is that all the questions and we want to thank ben davis for thank you very much yeah thank you dan thank you dana yes thanks all right well this is discussion only so um just general public comment is there any Seeing none, item 13, general public comment, is closed. Item 14, commission matters. All right, do I have any thoughts on future matters to be discussed? All right, 15, new business agenda setting. Anything for that? You'll note that there were a lot of communications listed under item 16. Really quick, because I didn't close out 14. Okay. Is there any public comment on item 14? <laughs> We didn't have any, so how can there no. be? No. Well, I also, wanted to look, I also wanted to look online. Seeing none, item 14 is closed. Item okay. 15, new business agenda setting. <laughs> we don't have anything. Is there any public comment on item 15? Seeing none, item 15 is closed. And item 16, communications. Any? Is there any public comment? Comment on communications. No hands raised. On communications? You gotta step up to the mic. Emails in. And have yes. you guys read these emails just out of curiosity? Yes, it's in our packet. Have you read all of them? You've read the I whole read the thread of emails. I read the ones that are forwarded to us, yeah. That are important. That are forward, that are uh, everything that's that are forward, that were forward to you. I see. Okay, I'm just curious. Thank you, Susie. 
Is there anyone on the line with the hand raised? Seeing none, public comment is closed. We are now on item 17, adjournment. Okay, before we go to adjournment, mm -hmm. oh, Commissioner Griffin, no? No, I, that was a mistake. <laughs> okay. But can I, just, I make a motion to adjourn? First, <laughs> wait, first I wanted to say thank you to Stacy for running the meeting so illustriously. And Ashley's, and we, Ashley, get better soon. We're sorry you're not feeling well. And I just wanted to mention that another great event that a lot of the um, events happen on Rec and Park property. There's stuff that happens in the band shell and scattered throughout our park systems and at the Marina Green is Fleet Week, which is uh, October th 3 through 11. Um, there are activities all through the week. The Blue Angels and other um, aircraft are showing up and I think there's going to be a special surprise on some of the, um, the, uh, the uh, uh, I don't know, the, the boats that show up. Um, it's supposed to be a great week, so everybody check that out. Uh, can I hear a motion to adjourn? So moved. Seconded. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, we are adjourned at 1221 p.m. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.